One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, welcome to year two of my good, bad brain. This is a podcast. I was trying to struggle to say what this podcast is about. It's about mental health. Um, And you know what? I'm just going to read a recent review. This is a way of saying, if you enjoy the podcast, please go leave a review. They help us uh, get get it out there more. Or check us out at patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. But there is this really nice review I'm going to read that somebody left recently that I feel sums up what this podcast uh, aims to be at its best. Uh, They said, so grateful. This is an amazing podcast. There was a moment where I was teetering on a panic attack and I just put on a random episode and went for a drive and it calmed me down. Really appreciative. Give this a listen. Uh, Thank you. That was from Huzzah. (laughs) Um, I really appreciate that. And if you are never have been to this podcast before, that's a good explanation of, I think, the ultimate aim here, creating a sense of community and validation and uh, possibility for those of us living with uh, mental illness, I guess. I don't know. That always feels so funny to say. Um, Just mental, just stuff, you know, existential, philosophical, emotional, physical, blah, 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 blah. So without further ado, thank you for being here. This is going to do the theme song and then we'll get into year two of my good, bad brain. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is friends and loved ones uh good bad brains how's it going this is uh yeah i was thinking of calling it season two but i think (laughs) we'll just go with year two i don't know if there's i don't know if seasons really make a sense uh, in this show as it is but uh you know i it's been a couple weeks since i put an episode up i decided to kick it back off again with uh, a brain breather because we've uh you know, I've, I've banked actually several, several episodes um, of some other interviews and people. And we're going to do more 
our good bad brains over the last few weeks. Uh, but without intending to, I kind of ended up taking this little break. I haven't posted for a couple weeks. And I went and looked when I was getting ready to make another episode and getting things together the other day. I was like, oh, we did 52 episodes. And I I thought, you know, when I kicked off this uh, podcast a year or so ago, my intention was to do it for a year. And I think, I don't know the dates exactly, but 52, about one a week, that's a year. That counts. That's a year, man. And I think that maybe I... Um, Maybe I subconsciously sort of let go of the podcast, maybe. Maybe I just knew I needed a break or or something. And I was like, okay, well I'll well I'll be I'll do that. So anyway, I didn't mean to, and now we're back. And I think it's a nice time to, you know reinvigorate myself about it and get get back in here and uh you know this podcast the point of it like i said in the review before the show i think is primarily validation and uh sort of community i guess and letting each other know that we're not alone and sometimes i'll resonate your experiences maybe or you'll resonate with mine and sometimes i won't and maybe just in my vulnerability I guess my honesty because I sometimes I get a little shame about it you know like I feel sort of uh I want to backpedal just how fucking open and honest I get on this thing sometimes but um I don't know it's just who I am and I kind of think a lot of other people in the world are just faking it to be honest even like perfectly sane neurotypical people but like maybe not maybe they just accept life as it is and go through and they're like cool this is cool what we've done but I have to imagine that a lot of other humans do look at traffic, you know, and be are like, hey, we're ants for sure, right? Just <laughs> in a line, you know, waiting to move our next like two feet up in our giant metal car to get home. I mean, that we're all just sort of like in this thing that is completely crazy and makes no sense. And that, you know, we're all sort of just pretending and barely holding it together and whatnot. I don't know. Sometimes I just think that the system doesn't get happy at you for that. You know what I mean? Like, which makes sense. Why would another member of the pack that believes in the construct and believes in the pack trust you? Like, if you're constantly questioning it. <sighs> but anyway, I think the people who listen to this podcast maybe are in the same boat as me. So, I don't know if we trust each other, but. What is that about? I don't know. There's something There's something to me that just feels like inherently valuable about honesty, about authenticity, seeing something real. You know, I, I'm pretty sensitive. Like, I'll just cry pretty suddenly at things a lot. And I, and I realize sometimes telling a story or just... I, I think the thing that has always struck me is what seems to be the thing that makes me always instantly cry is usually the witnessing of something that just occurs to me to be very true, like capital T, divine true. And uh, so I don't know. I can't put too fine a point on anything, really. I can't black and white anything and say like, oh, we trust each other. We know each other. I feel like sometimes my podcast, when I'm being really honest and going on about things that are freaking me out, whether it's depressive state or uh, some ADHD stuff or anxiety or whatever, Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, I hope this isn't making it worse for somebody else, that someone else isn't 
coming here expecting something to calm them down or soothe them or chill or take their mind off it or find good answers and possibilities. And then instead they just have me going through it. And I'm like, damn, I don't want to, I hope that I'm, you know, so that's why I'm like, I don't know if I can say trust, but whatever this little project is, which I can't help but think of as a little art project, but I can't, I can't help but think of everything as a little art project. You know, it's all just macaroni necklaces at some point. Like, I don't know. I can promise that I'm going to do my best to be honest. And hopefully in my honesty, continuing into this year too, you'll find some comfort knowing someone else out there is uh, a little little bit crazy, (laughs) but doing okay and making our way through. Anyway, for this brain breather, this solo app, which I, you know, I haven't really done one in a little bit, I thought that I'd ask online on my Instagram for suggestions for things to talk about. Um, things that people might be interested in hearing me give some time and space to that we could all sort of partake in. And um, there's a few that that were on here. I can't do all of them right away, but I was really grateful to get a lot of uh, good and and really interesting answers uh, to that or questions rather topics of jumping off points. So I'll get through a couple of them and I'll probably return to this list. If anybody wants to check it out on the Instagram, uh, my Instagram, just Jared underscore sleeper. It's a post I put up. I just had these purple sunglasses. I want to make a dumb joke. I needed something to post so that I could write the, uh, the caption for this one. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll return to this. So you can add to this one if you want. I don't know. So one person uh, I, I wrote out a response to, but I thought it was worth bringing back up here. One person... Uh, said your take opinions experience dealing with the intense emotional flooding aspect of an ADHD brain and how it impacts us interpreting processing some of the dark nonsense happening in our world I feel like uh, you've definitely discussed this before but man am I personally struggling with this right now always appreciate your words Uh, thanks for making stuff okay well thank you for thank you for contributing to this stuff thank you for being part of it I'm very sorry to hear that you may be going this is Julie it's public j-o-o-l-e-i uh who who uh asked this question so I'm just gonna read what I wrote back first I guess because I actually I've read it again and I was like yeah no this is this is how I feel uh I yeah it sucks that sucks so bad that you're going they're having that but emotional flooding and other people it's it's a symptom sometimes of ADHD it's what it sounds like it's when you become so flooded with uh, an emotion that it's almost like paralyzing in my experience it's just this completely overwhelming thing things feel very very real like realer than they should be and overwhelming and um yeah it sounds it's what it sounds like emotional emotional flooding um it can be really scary when you're in this because it feels like it's real and your whole world is real and there's no escaping from whatever this flood is. And uh, that can feel like suffocating. I don't know. And you can just you just make poor choices too. So here's, here's what I wrote back. Um, word, I can certainly speak on this. Hmm. Uh, for personal triage suggestions uh, from personal experience, which I'm just saying, you know, f- from me fucking up a lot and wishing I'd behave differently. Um, if someone or something is triggering the emotional flooding that you're having in that moment, in this moment, uh, I would suggest distancing yourself physically from that person or a thing um, as quickly and politely as possible. That might sound 
a little extreme, uh, what I'm saying there, but I truly, um, I, well, I believe your flooded responses will almost certainly bring you regret and frustration later on when you feel less in it. Um, so first things first, I really believe if you're in the middle of an emotional flood, sometimes the people you're with aren't going to be the kind of like mature, easy people that you can just go like, can you please stop right now? I'm really having a freaking bad fucking time. Or similarly, you know, we still live in a society where we're worried sometimes about how we look and our appearance and, and, and feeling, um, I don't know, like people will judge us or underestimate us. Or I get worried sometimes that that becomes my character to them. Crazy person, emotionally flooded person, a super duper awkward person who, who weak person who suddenly is like, I can't handle this right now. Please stop doing this. And then people will feel like you've accelerated it too much and whatever. Anyway, I prefer to sidestep that whole thing. I mean, it would be such a blessing, such an incredible uh, reality if every person that we ever gotten weird, crazy, emotional, flooded conflicts with, it would be so amazing if we were all so mature and caring and loving that they would also go, oh no, I didn't realize we were getting so out of hand. Yes, I'm so sorry. Let's slow down. But uh, since that doesn't really always exist, um, I suggest just doing whatever you have to, even if it's rude, um, but as politely as possible, just kind of stop and leave. Uh, there are so many situations I've been in conflicts where I thought I had to stay. I thought I had to stay in the room. I had, the, I got this idea about myself when I was a kid that if you love someone, if Jarrett loves you, then you get someone who stays. I used to say it literally in my head, Jarrett stays. That I would sit there in the fire. I've been around a lot of weird fucking emotional shit. No problem. I'm good in conflict. I'm I'm not about to ditch out on you. And I thought that read as like love. That was like the right thing to do. Uh, what I've come to realize is that sometimes I'm not myself. Sometimes taking a moment to breathe and let it pass, uh, even an, an evening uh, till the next day, that can be really smart. Really, really, really smart. Uh, you aren't necessarily your truest self when you're emotionally flooded. And so learning also to respect the wishes of other people who thought, who like, you know, I've been in conflict with who would ask to stop. And I thought that meant that they, I don't know, they were imposing. I don't know. I always turned it in my head that I was the good guy. And I was like, no, 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 there, I don't, this is for me. I, we're here. We'll stay. Let's figure this out. But realizing like, Hey, you know, if other people are telling you, it's like that, that thing about if people tell you who they are, believe them, you know, if people ask you for something, that's another thing I really truly believe. If people ask you for something and you can, give it to them, you know? If people ask for something, give it to them. They probably they probably need it or want it in a way that's serious. So, one, leave the situation and respect when other people want to leave the situation, obviously. But it's just as awkward as it might be to like just leave in the middle of something that's going on with someone else, a conversation you might be having or whatever, and just say, I can't do this. I mean, I've literally gotten up out of the car in traffic, not like in moving traffic. That's like crazy, crazy. But we were stopped. We're stuck there. And I was like, I got to go. And I just knew because I had these flashes in my mind. There were so many times earlier in my life, middle of the night or whatever, when it would have been so weird to leave and we were in bad fights. And I was just like, hmm, I wish I had left those situations I wish it was strange and awkward as much as it was speaking to my body, trying to make me feel like I was being disloyal or weak or something like that. No, the loving thing would have been to be my true self and know when I was getting destructive to myself and other people around me to 
leave us. So first flooding for yourself and others around you. I think go ahead and get the fuck out of there. You're totally allowed to do that. Pull the ripcord and just make some space. The next thing I think, in if you're really like in it, if you're having one like now, you know, regulate your breathing. That's so obvious too, but it totally fucking works. I suggest trying a one to three seconds in through the nose, at least three seconds. One, two, three. You know, three to five seconds. And then holding it for one to three seconds. And then out through the mouth for five seconds like if it's three for five seconds if you're going in for three then out for five if you're going in for five out for seven whatever the breath out is make it longer than the breath in the one that you hold can be even you know whatever but just slows you down to do that just immediately return to these somatic little tricks try some slow controlled breathing and then the other thing that i think really is weirdly helps is uh stop whatever you're doing and drink a glass of water Literally, like just a, a real glass of water, at least 12 ounces. Um, I don't know. It just seems to slow you down. It cools you off. And uh, I don't know. I think it gives you something to focus on, like something, something again, somatic, something sensual, something that is demands some of your brain to give space to a physical sensation. And it literally cools you. And it's something about it. it nourishes you. I don't know. Just might chill you out a little bit and it forces you to pause and shut up and stop talking and stop letting yourself uh, talk to yourself or whatever so i really suggest just go ahead and get yourself a glass of water if one doesn't work try two nothing wrong with hydrating it always helps <laughs> um i kind of feel like this is the last part of this little thing that i had written out but i think is important to say some the slowing down of the experience or the distancing from it I think part of that is so that you can maybe get off the galloping horse of whatever feelings you're having and you can observe that the feelings you're having are not you, that they are that galloping horse. Like if you're on a horse and you're running along, you are running along, you're moving fast, but it's not you running, it's you on the horse. And your feelings that are emotionally flooding you, that's not you, that's you on the feelings, you know? And I think it's really helpful to create this kind of, I guess, dissociation or, or dissociative quality because over-identifying with our experiences and our feelings, what's going on inside of our brain, ah, that's kind of the source of all our problems, isn't it? Not literally. I mean, obviously you can get objective. There's plenty of sources of other problems that come from without us, right, from you know, whatever, obvious, obvious, obvious. But if you can take that moment, I have to do this all the time with my own brain when it's causing me certain kinds of, you know, panic, emotional flooding, or just the depression stuff, especially really, really, really bad feelings. I have to stop and go, this isn't me. These are my feelings. This is just something my body's experiencing, probably for some evolutionary reason. These chemicals, they live inside of me, inside of my brain, inside of my tissues. And they're here to protect me one way or another, even if they're a little bit going overboard sometimes or not always making the best calls. Or maybe I had a little bit of a, a valve issue. You know, just my physicality means I squirt a little more fear juice than other people. But it's not Jarrett. It's not like the spiritual being, the consciousness of me. It's just a feeling that I'm having, you know? 
Like when you're hungry and you get cranky because you're hungry, you're not a cranky person. You're just hungry. Your body just says you need other things. You know, you're not like a snappy person when you got to go pee. You're just like, you got to go pee. <laughs> so that's, those are my little immediate triage things for the emotional flooding stuff. And I think in a larger sense of what to do so you prepare for them in the future. I was just listening. The ologies this week that Ali's doing is uh, traumatology. And it's with actually a friend of mine who's an amazing, uh, he, he studies trauma, um, uh, psychologist, psychologist, yeah. And one thing he was talking about in the episode I was helping uh, edit it and, and really occurred to me is uh, something I do in other walks of my life and is a kind of cool thing to think about for our own traumas or, or bad brain spaces when we feel that emotional flood or we seem overwhelmed by fear or whatever. Depression, actually, that counts too. But anyway, any negative feeling. Is he was saying there's these therapy practices, um, like exposure therapy in particular, he was saying is one of the methods that for a lot of types of trauma really helps heal the trauma, is basically by examining the thing that upsets you over and over again and imagining it over and over again, you sort of prepare your body for if it happens again. And also you get used to the idea. You it, you inoculate to it a little bit. He said in the thing he likened it to watching a scary movie, that if you close your eyes at the scary part every time it comes on, it'll stay scary forever because you'll never see it. But if you watch the movie, even if it's so scary the first few times, eventually... You're going to get you. You're going to know where the scares are. You're going to know where the moments come that freak you out. And so it's no longer this terrifying unknown thing. You've prepared yourself and you've prepared your body for this, this fear. And I kind of believe with the emotional flooding, if you get out of the emotional flood and then you can sort of on your own in a meditative way, think about, well, how was I behaving when that happened? Uh, what did that feel like? What triggered it for me? Um, do I like how I responded? Is there truth in how I respond or was it taking over me? And just kind of walking through it, even down to like physical stuff. Where was I? What was the room like? What did my body feel like? Was I breathing really hard and fast? Were my ears hot? Was I, you know, able to focus and pay attention? Was I experiencing a almost physical pain sort of feeling like rejection sensitivity dysphoria sometimes seems to manifest as like a physical pain pressure in my chest. So, among these kinds of things, imagining the situation allows me to go, okay, well, what would I do differently? What would I like to do differently? And just like doing martial arts or like watching the tape of a fight or something like that, visualizing the situation and thinking about how you'd like to respond differently works. You can train yourself to respond differently to different situations in the future that bring you hardship. So anyway, that's those are like my... Those are my basic, I don't know. That's what I have found helps me. Like I said, the getting up out of the situation, just leaving the, the, the situation. It was really hard for me to do that. And after bad experiences, doing this sort of replaying the tapes, figuring out how I feel about what I did, what I would have done differently. One of the overwhelming things was just like, I wish I'd left the situation. And then when it had happened one time, when it happened again, and I could tell my feelings were just running away and turning into this other thing, I left the situation. I had prepared myself, I've trained myself to have a new response. And while it may be clumsy or feel like dramatic or feel like so fucking awkward, you know, that's all true. But 
it's better, it's way, way better than saying hurtful things or exacerbating your situation, you know? It's just way better than misrepresenting yourself and being in a state where you're out of control of your words and your actions. It just it just sucks to do that. So it's nice to know that we can prep and pick different stuff. I don't know. I hope that helps if anybody out there is having, having emotional floods. Because they fucking suck. Um, there's a lot of good stuff on here, man. There's a lot of good stuff. Let me look in here and see... Um, okay. There's a lot of good ones in here. I, I, too, I think here's two that I'd like to speak on. Um, I feel like they're a little bit related. Okay. Rebecca Hale said, dealing with the guilt of knowing that your friends, family, partner, et cetera, has to deal with your mental stuff along the same lines as feeling as though you are burdening everyone around you. And up in the air said, not sure if you've had it on before quite new to the pod, but I would love to hear from you regarding depersonalization and derealization. So these might seem like weird ones to put together. Maybe not though. Maybe you'll get it right away. Um, guilt and shame around that the, about the burden that you put on other people. And then also this sense, uh, this also this idea of depersonalization, derealization, they seem connected to me because they both have to do with very physical sensations, like a, a, a very um, intense sense that the things you're feeling are real in the case of derealization, like the, fa- the fact that nothing is real seems real. And well, maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's not a good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stick with this. I think that sounds, that's what I'm trying to say. That you are correct. That's what I'm looking for. Because the real, that things don't seem real seems real is a little, I don't like saying that because truly the sense I get when I've experienced depersonalization or derealization kind of things. And I don't know where that comes from or why I actually, I don't know if it's a thing of my ADHD or depression or I don't know what, but I'm a little bit not about, um, (laughs) I don't don't think I'm interested in like putting to find a point on that anymore. Um, That stuff doesn't feel real. That's the whole point. And I think that's confusing terminology to say. I, I do. I think it's um, that the that it feels true that your exp- experience of it is that you are correct in your assumption, and that is the feeling that you have about your pressure or or burden that you're putting on other people. I, I want to say, like off the bat, I think most of the time, our feeling that we are a burden on other people around us, that our brain and the things it creates and our added our mental disorders or whatever that they are a burden on the people around us more often than not and more often than not by far I'm quite sure this is something that your good bad brain is creating for you and not a reflection of reality about the people around you especially people who love you and care about you feel at all at all at all at all you know I don't just call it my good bad brain because I like it's like wishful thinking for me like I truly believe often the things that cause you pain in your mind are the things that bring your gifts to the world also so the way that you're creative or funny or I don't know I think just a way that you look at the world the people who are around you value you for these things they are things that bring joy to their lives 
and meaning. And um, one way or the other, they love it about you. Now, of course, I'm not saying that this is a blanket, like let your mental problems run wild on people. I'm always talking on here about how much I regret that stuff and how a lot of getting help and trying to figure my stuff out had to do with not wanting to hurt the people around me. Because I think that's definitely real. Definitely real. The whole point, I think, is... I don't know. I don't think it's really... Most of us, I don't think... I mean, I always speak in generalizations, but I think most of us truly aren't trying to get better mentally for like us. I feel like it's so that we can create things for our world better. We can be there better for the people around us. We can be something that brings a kind of uh, positive thing, more light, more humor, uh, more curiosity, more creation into this reality than we take out. And it's not just about like, I'm feeling good, you know? I think it's like you want to feel good in order to be those things. Maybe I'm projecting, but I really think that that is true. And that concern with other people is a good thing. It's a good reason to get yourself some help so that you can be better for the people in your community. So I'm not saying like, don't think about the feelings about other people and the guilt and shame of like the burden that you're putting on them. I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, guilt, man. What's the point of guilt? I, I, um, I think this is important to split hairs about feeling guilty about your, your state, your shame. I thought to myself a long time ago, I used to be one of those like no regrets people. No regrets. You know, I think instinctively was what I I would say. And I came to realize that is not true. I do have regrets and I am grateful for them. I do also have shame and I am not grateful for the shame. And guilt I would put in with shame. Guilt suggests you've done something wrong that you're guilty of. So maybe that as a term isn't as useful in this circumstance. That's just an objective. Did you do a thing or did you not? Did you hurt people or did you not? That's always something that people will tell you and you will have to listen to. But shame and regret to me is is uh, kind of what we're talking about and what it sounds like you're talking about when you're talking about your mental illnesses or, or challenges or whatever and how they affect other people around you. And regret is a wonderful thing. Along with maybe this idea of guilt, I don't know, as long as it's not tinged with the shame. I think we'll just call it regret because it allows you to say, I I did a thing and I don't like it. I don't like how I behaved and I'd like to change it in the future. And that's a beautiful thing. That's something we should not ever give up. Shame is like, who the fuck's that for? Who's it for? It's like like pain masturbation. You know, I'm sorry. I'm so fucking, oh, I'm the worst. Who's that for? I don't think anybody truly out there wants they have no use for that shame shame is like you're just gonna wallow in it and feel bad i don't fucking care how you feel if you hurt me or hurt somebody i care about i don't care how you feel if you feel bad about it i want you to be better 
I want when the same thing happens in the future to us or to somebody else in your life, you behave better, you know? And I came to realize, like, I think I just thought, like, if as long as I was ashamed, it was okay. I was, like, p- paying some price moment to moment in my, in my brain. So if you're experiencing a lot of shame, I, I think maybe a thing to think about with that is, like, who's it for? You know? And maybe if you're experiencing a lot of that shame and you have an answer to that, who's it for? You're like, oh, well, um, my girlfriend, she is burdened by my shit all the time. My my but my friends got to deal with me fucking being a mess again, being a fucking watery mess and so fragile and just a wreck and useless. And I feel shame about that for them. Then, you know, what's a better idea is to communicate with those people. Someone said to me. Instead of saying, I'm sorry, say thank you. And I don't 100% think that all the time. Apologies are important. But I think the general attitude when you want to apologize for these kinds of things, when you want to apologize, oh, I'm so sorry, I, I, um, I'm such a mess. I'm so sorry. I've been so like just weepy and fucked up and I just, I'm so sorry. Um, instead, try saying like, hey, uh, thank you for understanding and accepting me even though I've been a fucking mess. Thank you for having the patience to be my friend or my lover or my family. Thank you so much for continuing to be part of my life because I don't always feel great. I don't always feel like my best self and it just means so much to me that you stay and I know that you still care about me and love me. And I, I promise you that I'm uh, trying to trying to work on this. And it really does help me to know that, that you're there, even just in spirit or in mind. Um, so thank you. And I think like thanking people matters more to them. Like if you're, because you're really telling them that you see the difficulty that you may create. And this is just, I don't know, I think you should already, you, before this, obviously, go through the self-talk of the third person thing of being like, oh, is this real or not? Did I do something, you know, a mindfulness, uh, the meditation on it, and figure out if it's just a feeling that you're having that's telling you you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, but it's not really real. But if it is real and you know that you're being a little bit exhausting or challenging, I mean, man. It's just true what I just said, that gratitude, that the people around you still love you, still care about you, and I think they will feel better. This is how I felt in the past and more seen and acknowledged that you are going out of your way to say, I know that this is going on and I, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to fix it earnestly and just thanks, you know? It's just like less fearful and it's less, it's about them. It's truly, it's like putting it outside of yourself and saying like, I'm not just navel gazing here. I'm not just spinning in shame and toxic corrosive, like self-hatred because it feels good and then I'll be a good person. Some like puritanical Catholic fucking thing, you know, this guilt, this shame thing. So I think if you're feeling shame like that, if you're, if you're feeling like you're a burden on other people, I think the honest truth of that is that is because you don't want to feel like a burden on other people or yourself. I something I st- say glibly is um, sometimes an apology is like I yeah, yeah I know I, trust me I got to be with me every day you know and when I'm being a piece of shit and someone's like man yeah I, I have to you have to deal with this brain like 
one forty eighth. <laughs> I don't know, half hour. That's what I think. As much as uh, ever as I do, all the fucking time. You know what I mean? Um. So gratitude. Um, uh, I don't know. I think it just shows that you're thinking about other people's feelings more, and it's also like useful. It actually has an intention of getting better, some sort of object reason to. To be a better partner, friend, person to your fellow human beings. And if you don't fucking care about that, then I don't know if this is the pod for you, man. (laughs) If you're like, oh, I don't fucking care. Like I just performing guilt and shame so that other people will fucking get off me or because my sense of identity is now wrapped up in my guilt and shame of being a piece of shit and being like just overwhelmed all the time and impossible and all that stuff like I don't know if that's that's possible I've been that person you know where I'm like I'm fucking in pain it's okay I don't know I don't know it just sucks dude if that's I think reevaluate if you really want to be that person you know because I think most of us don't I think we want to feel good I think we want to be good and I think I think I don't know I always think about dogs like I met this amazing little puppy this little Shiba Inu who had no eyes a few days ago and it was like a pretty old dog too so just kind of stood there but it would just come up and stand there and smell you and wait to be pet and expect its pets And it wasn't like a sad dog. Like it didn't seem sad or upset. It was just like a dog. If you see a dog that's got three legs, no part of them is like, ah, fuck, I can't run anymore. You know, they're fucking figuring it out. They'll run with fucking anything that they have. You know, you put wheels on the backs of dogs and they'll be running. They have no fucking clue that they are. There's something quote unquote wrong with them. And I think we can aspire to this in ourselves. That if we identify as this thing that's spurred in this problem, we have all this shame and guilt about it. Ah, fuck that. If they're, if they're real, if they're real, there's things that make it harder for you and you have to identify as this broken, mentally broken person, whatever. Like, okay. And then what? Let's just go, fine. Your brain's fucked and that's how it's going to be. Fine. And there's like, I have a broken brain. All right. Now I'm going to drive this broken brain like I stole it. <laughs> This is the one that I get for the whole time that I'm on earth on this fucking dimension. Then I'm going to drive it till the wheels fall off. You know what I mean? So that's it. I think that's like, that's it. You just shame, guilt, burden. First evaluate if it's actually that or if it's just something that you're building up with your own depression, anxiety and things, racing thoughts, this sort of emotional flooded stuff. And then if you figure out that it is real and you are being kind of a burden... Talk to them. Don't apologize. Say thank you. And I think you can add on there if you want something constructive. Is this a problem? Is there something that I can do to help fix this? Are there aspects of this that are particularly uncomfortable for you or hurtful more than others? I just, I truly want to try to be better at this, whatever this situation relationship is. That just, I think, is a much better way to do it. And then um, if you're struggling with those two things, then too, reevaluate for yourself and make sure you want to be a well person. You know what I mean? I think some of us, I know, like, sometimes identify so much as my depression. And I'm like, who would I be without my depression, without my sadness? I'm like, oh, fuck, you know? And it's like, I don't want to throw out my 
parts of myself that are, I don't know, fucked up, quote unquote, because then who would I be? And I think it's good to evaluate for yourself. Do you want to be somebody who's not like that? And do it honestly. Anyway, connected to that, to me, another thing that your brain is telling you is real. Is this depersonalization? Oh, sorry, I'm not saying that because that's too confusing. The real because it's depersonalization. That you, is, your brain is telling you you're correct. You figured it out. This is uh, this is not real. You are not real. Things are not real. Depersonalization, derealization. For people who don't know what this is, this is a thing that can happen. Um, depersonalization, just on the Wikipedia says, I just thought I'd bring it up. It, it uh, can consist of detachment uh, within the self regarding one's mind or body or being detached observer of oneself. Um, subjects feel like they uh, have changed and the world has become vague, dreamlike, less real, lacking in significance or being outside reality while looking in. That's depersonalization. And derealization is the same. It's the same idea, basically. It's an uh, alteration in the perception of experience or experience of the external world so that it seems unreal. Other symptoms include feeling as though one's environment is lacking in spontaneity, emotional coloring, and depth. It is a dissociative symptom of many conditions. There's a lot of reasons this can happen. Um, I think it's a response to PTSD, uh, for one thing. Um, depersonalization, derealization. <sighs> I've experienced this a decent amount in my life, and um, I struggle with it. And I think one of the reasons I wanted to pick this one, too, is um, it kind of is on the heels of that being a burden thing in my uh, in my relationships. It has freaked out partners in the past when I, um, the way I tell them, I would tell them, I'd be like, you don't even think I'm a person. Uh, you, you just like think I'm this character, this like cartoon thing. And they would often uh, later cite that as something that freaked them out. That they were like, you don't even think you're a person. And it, and it, and it freaks me out that you think that. Um, I do think you're a person, they would tell me. And I realized that in my sort of accusations about like, oh, you don't even think I'm a person. Really, I I was expressing how I feel a lot of the time, which is that I don't feel like a person and I don't think that things are real. And then it's all like a character that I'm putting on. And sometimes that still raises its head. And that's honestly part of where the don't kill yourself list came from. The thing that I do at the end of interviews with people where I have this little list of easily accessible, um, what I consider to be objectively good reasons to stay alive and existing in a subjective world. And um, on some level... On some level, commitment to the reality of reality, commitment to the belief that this is all real and this exists and this is important and that things have value and people matter. I think on some level, that's a leap of faith that if you experience that sort of depersonalization, derealization disorder, I think for me at least, when I have, I've had to set sort of like, this is a dark thing to talk about, but um, I talk about it in another, it'll come up in a, another conversation I had recently. I thought about it. When I have felt suicidal and I got through those parts of my life, I think that I 
set certain like almost like I, I imagine almost like an emotional alarm that you would set on your phone that there's just like um, there's a safety that just goes, nope, not going to do that. Nope. Figured that out. And I think depersonalization and derealization is already like a physical response your body is having. Let me get to that second part. That's like a, it's like a protective mechanism. So let me let me come back to that in a second. I think it's good and useful to almost program yourself with a response that says like, oh, this is again an experience that I'm having, depersonalization, derealization, and not necessarily real, just the thing that I'm going through. And I am committed to the decision I've already made that things are real. And then for me, I'll have little anchors about like what makes it real. Like what, do, how, what are the moments in my life, my little, my little like sort of um, art gallery in my brain, my, my, my memory castle or whatever of, of things that make me know it's real. And these are things that they're, they're why some of us believe in magic or bigger things than just science stuff. It's not pedantic. It's just something in my guts. And it'll be things like coffee. It'll be things like food that tastes good and makes me happy and excited. And it'll be things like love. That's always the first thing I think about is just like love or like cute aggression. You know, when you see like a puppy or like your dog and you just fucking love it and you just want to squish it and you want to like smell it like these really physical sensations of ephemeral things. I had a really weird experience when I was like a kid one time of, I still just think it, that I, it was God. That's like how I describe it. That I remember being like super fucking depressed in like a horrible bad space. And I, I can't describe it other than that. I mean, there's tough stuff going on in my family, but just like that sensation of depression. And for some reason out of like nowhere, I felt like a physical sensation, like a hand on my back and a sort of warmth and lightness took over my brain and it just felt like, yeah, so you're okay. It's going to be okay. And I still can't explain what that was. But it was one of those like physical sensations of just like love in the universe or something like that for me. That I have no idea where it came from or why. Maybe it was a, a thing. Maybe teenage uh, brains prone to making poor destructive decisions have some secret chamber of like happy god juice or something that it keeps to release at some point as like an emergency valve but you only get like a limited supply i don't know but i think it's good to have your little brain collection of anchors of reasons that you have already committed to intellectually believing that it's real and when you have those ready to go the next time you're having the physical sensation of that ghost quality maybe it'll help maybe you'll be able to turn to your 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 assumptions, basically, the things you've already assumed to be true that you take as givens now. And you can track that with the little anchors and the reasons and the moments in your life and be like a kiss that you had once that was special or, again, a meal with people that you cared about or like a time you laughed so fucking hard that it hurt. You know, these sort of moments of reality and beauty and poetry in your life, I think can be real fucking lifesavers and bring you back to why things matter. There's this, in that stupid City Slickers movie, like, uh, you know, Cur the Curly, when he goes, he's asking about like, what's the meaning of life? And he goes, oh yeah, I know what it is. It's all about that one thing. And then Billy Crystal or whatever is like, what's the one thing? And Curly's like, that's what you got to figure out. 
That's what this is to me. That like, I'm not saying stop questioning things, stop questioning your experience, stop exploring philosophically the nature of reality, stop doing hallucinogens and purposefully trying to lose the tether of depersonalization. I'm not saying any of that. Like explore, be curious, figure it out. The nice thing is we're all going to figure out eventually, you know, one way or another, we're going to see what happened next. But you don't have to feel like in a rush to do that. And you're allowed to commit to the joys of your body. And I don't just mean like in the joys of your body. I don't mean like just like sensual, sexual and things like that. I mean like the embodiment of reality and the joys of that the strangeness and beauty of existing here. I don't know. I think those anchors, having those ready to go can help. And then the second part that I was going to get to from earlier, depersonalizing or derealizing probably has some protective mechanism is why you're doing it. I mean, when it's part of PTSD, it makes sense, right? If your body's going through horrible things that are just too fucking overwhelming, sort of related to the emotional flooding we were talking about earlier, it's not really the worst mechanism it's not the worst safety valve to be able to dissociate you from your experience somehow and allow it to become more dreamlike like something you're observing that's not even happening to you maybe it can be very life-saving in a literal sense and maybe mind-saving in a more metaphorical one to be able to do that and for me being able to recontextualize things that challenge me that are scary or painful or that I don't like and understand them as something probably my body is doing, my dumb body and my good bad brain is doing to protect me one way or another, helps me sort of let that guard dog stand down. Saying like, oh, I understand. what you're, Okay, I see what you're doing. I'm sorry. I understand what you're doing, um, but let's, I don't need it anymore. And then again, another way you can just sort of like objectively look at that experience like if you're already, I, I don't know. I still struggle with the ghost thing sometimes, you know. Usually when something like that is happening and I'm really existentially ghosty and really like leaving behind a sense that anything exists. I think it helps me to go small. I literally like picture molecules. I like picture a blade of grass or I picture like the pattern in concrete and then picking something out like a going deeper into the the dots and the you know, different thing of little stones chalked up in the concrete and going deeper into that and like thinking about the molecules and the space between them and the electrons and just like, I, I literally will think about that stuff, picking something small or like my fingertip or, or something and just going smaller and smaller and how vast and endless it is, no matter how small you get, like never stops. I don't know, something about that grounds me. And then the last thing is definitely physical activity physical sensations you know i mean you can eat something you can cook something i think it's really good to just do any kind of craft or use your hands hobby or again i think food is the best because not only have you m taken your hands and occupied them for a while with something that puts you outside of your mind a little bit but also at the end of it you have something delicious which further helps pull you back into your body and, uh, and just if you can't do that, just exercise, just do a bunch of squats as fast as you can do some burpees, run, jump and climb trees, running, jumping, climbing trees is like 
the reason you have a body in the first place, I think, in so many ways. I mean, I really think our bodies are just dogs and they want to run around and they want to, you know, roll around and they want to stretch and they want to get their blood pumping and they want to eat things and they want to lick things. And your body can be pretty fucking helpful with that. Like the same way if you're in a weird funk and a dog comes over and starts like nudging you for pets or to play or with a toy or a ball they want you to throw and you can't help but kind of get a little cheered up. Like, okay. I think your body can do that for your mind when you're starting to like lose the anchor and not feel real. Go get a pump on, man. <laughs> go to the gym. Lift some weights. Just do it in your backyard. Do some push-ups. Do something. Get your get your lungs on fire. And I don't know. Something about that I think will pull you back in. It could be really, really helpful. Anyway, uh, I think I'm going to stop stop there. I think that was a good chunk for our first of the second year of My Good Bad Brain. Thank you for being uh, with me on this. Oh, I was going to say one other thing. Just just in my disclosure about things going on with me that I've I um I had a thing where my my prescription sort of ran out before I could get to the pharmacy and ended up having like a three or four day gap where I didn't have my antidepressant. I still had my uh, ADD medication left, but I didn't have my antidepressant. And I was feeling a lot better, weirdly, not like a lot better, but sort of more like myself. Um. Had a little more access, I think, to my thoughts and to humor, my creativity. And so I have contacted my psychiatrist and I'm testing out backing off it. Um, I've also told uh, my loved ones and my my roommate and my friends, you know, so hopefully if I'm acting weird or something, especially I have a very trusted friend who has also experimented going on and off this stuff in the past and... Um, and he's pretty cautious about it. So I feel like safe that I'm making a good choice to try this out with uh, the awareness of my doctor and people around me. But I just want to say that to say, I I don't know. These aren't, the, I don't think we need to feel doomed to any, th- any one thing, you know? And it feels like, uh, I don't know. I was thinking I haven't ever tried, um, doing just ADHD medication without depression medication also. And I don't wonder, because I've been I found a lot of other people who, or it just seems echoed, I've heard it, that um, sometimes a lot of depression symptoms overlap with ADHD ones, and the, the people are like misdiagnosed for a while. I, mean, I read that article, something like 2.7 or 3.7 different psychiatrists is the, the way the number of the averages work out, are, um, people go to. Uh, before their diagnosis ADHD, they, you know, before they tell them their depression. So, um, I just wanted to share that not in a, an endorsement of any kind. I think, you know, whatever you, you probably know what's working for you at this point, if you're on some medications or things like that. But, um, I do think it's okay to responsibly try to change things up. And my hope with my medication has always been one that it would strengthen me over time to build better habits and thought patterns and senses of possibility around myself so that um, much like I always use the pull-up analogy, eventually I would just be able to do pull-up my own without the rubber bands, without the box to stand on or whatever. And um, I'm hoping that some of that may be true. And it's been a nice little 
thing with that. So wish me luck as that continues. I wish you guys uh, luck with whatever you're going through. I really hope some of those thoughts around those topics were were good, y'all. Uh, if y'all are listening who who posted those on the gram, and um, there are a few other really good ones, I I will definitely get to in other brain breathers. Really wonderful topics to talk about. That um, I really hope my good bad brain to yours, you find useful. Um, yeah, thanks for being here, you guys. Thanks for being with me in year two. If you're digging the pod, please go to patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain and uh, toss a couple bucks there. It makes a big difference in just keeping my ability to record these things and track down people to be on the pod with and uh, do all that. And um, and if not that, leave us uh, review reviews wherever. Those are really lovely and nice. I think I'm going to try. I tried it before and I just forgot about it. Then I would just try to read some of those at the beginning of the episodes because I think they're nice to share. And I've on other podcasts, I, I like hearing when people do it. Podcast. That was the most Midwest I've been in a while. All right. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, yeah. Self-care. Hydrate. Be well. Bye. My Good Bad Brain is a production of Mind Jam Media. And this theme music was by myself and uh, Coda, who's a wonderful musician. You should look him up. That's it. Patreon.com slash My Good Bad Brain. Leave reviews. You're the best. Be well. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.